Welcome to Credit Union Conversations Podcast with your host, Mark Ritter, a forward-thinking CEO who excels in helping credit unions, small businesses, and real estate investors succeed. Join Mark as he explores current trends, interviews industry experts, and get fresh insights on optimizing your operations and delivering the best possible services to credit union members. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Ritter, your host of Credit Union Conversations. I am the CEO of MBFS and New Direction Lending. And joining me today is one of our co-workers, one of my co-workers, and my fa- one of my favorite co-workers, Ellen Thorne, our Senior Vice President of Loan Operations. Ellen, how are you doing today? I'm well, Mark. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. So, uh, it's, this will be old hat to me, and a few of the people on here are, are, uh, are some of our clients who know you well. But for those of you who, who don't know you, uh, let's give everybody your origin story uh, prior to, to MBFS and tell them what your, what your role is today here. Sure. So I've spent the last 22 years of my career in the commercial real estate lending and investment space. Prior to joining uh, the credit union industry and MBFS back in 2017, I worked for 15 years for a very large real estate investment firm where I focused on real estate debt investments and the creation of structured finance vehicles. So back in uh, 20, late 2016, was looking for something different, found the credit union space, spent about a year at um, a, a pretty large credit union before moving over to MBFS. When I first joined MBFS, I joined their loan servicing team and uh, have since risen to the rank of what I currently do is SVP of loan operations and I oversee the servicing and originations team here at MBFS. And you do a great job at it and are crucial to our success here and uh, the growth over the past few years. And Ellen, I always find it interesting. Uh, today's episode, we're going to talk about something that's not lending, uh, a little bit of credit unions, and it's kind of universal. But it's when, when me and you are out and about at conferences and meetings, it's usually one of the first things people talk about or they're interested in or the topic just sort of comes up in conversation. And that's about managing a work from home company uh, and work from home people and, and the team. And to, to give people the backstory here at MBFS, we were lucky uh, through through a merger uh, with another QSO. We inherited a team from Pittsburgh who are phenomenal people and we wanted to keep. And we actually, we, we had a small office in Pittsburgh and we had a small office here in suburban Philadelphia. And lo and behold, we lost that space uh, out in Pittsburgh. So we had to, uh, we, what we had to do was figure out where they could go and, and we couldn't get, or, or at that point, afford a space of our own. So we thought, let's send them home to work. Then, over time, uh, the small office here in suburban Philadelphia, we outgrew that space. And we said, holy cow, we need to figure out what to do. And we sent people home uh, to work. And that was 
really in the, the end of 2017, the end of 20, beginning of 2018, when uh, when we said, okay, we're, we're going to do this. And, and at, up until that point, it was about two-thirds of the company was remote, and then we had the team at the office. Um, you know, and, and Ellen, go ahead and reflect on that time. You know, we, we were a much smaller organization, um, a little bit different dynamics, but we were in what I would call hybrid work from home. Yes. Um, I joined uh, MBFS back in January of 2018. And shortly after I got there, you know, that, that topic was coming up and, and it became clear that certain individuals, certain teams that were currently in the office were gearing up to move to a work 100% remote uh, positions. And, you know, most of the people were very happy about that, had a few that were a little apprehensive, but it really was a time of, okay, we, we realized that there's a transition going on here, it's needed. And uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty interesting time. I do remember, I do remember the day being in the office that uh, everybody just was walking out the door with their monitors and not coming back the next day and getting everyone set up on IT. So it was really interesting. But, um, you know, by and large, they were they were really happy. They were ready. Yeah. And, and we were cruising along for a couple years. And then we had a very special day on March 13th, 2020, when we said, OK, everybody's going to go work from home as much as humanly possible. Uh, and it would, but it'll only probably be for two weeks. Um, turns out we were we were slightly off base, Ellen. And ever since then, we we've really become what I would call a hundred percent virtual remote company. And we we've had a few we have a few functions and things that we need to uh, to do in person, and we're slowly transitioning off of those. Uh, but but for the most part, we're we're a virtual company, um, you know. Really, so today I just wanted to kind of kind of hit some highlights on, on on what you think has has happened to us and kind of evolved over the years, and, and what you see works and, and where it's a little more challenging for for the work from home companies. You know, I always tell people, you know, we're a work from home company because we're a QSO with a diversified base of clients. And we also really don't do too much in a retail setting. Uh, you know, we're not opening checking accounts and things like that. Uh, we're a service provider, so it works for us, but I could see uh, where it would definitely be more difficult in a retail setting uh, where, where you have people coming in who want to sit down and talk to a person. So, so we're, you know, you, you oversee uh, a few people directly, and under those are some pretty sizable teams. Where do you see it? Uh, what are your thoughts and, and what keeps you up at night and what works well for as far as managing those teams? Because that's the one thing that I always hear about uh, being people being skeptical. How do you know they're actually working? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I can I can see that, especially um, for those, and that usually comes from the management side, right? Which is which is what you're asking me. Um, a lot of of you know, up until a couple years ago, you know, the work from home thing really wasn't an option that that companies were considering. 
And the biggest thing that I get when when being asked about, oh, well, how is the work from home thing going? How do you know that they're working? That That is the question that gets asked. What about productivity? Are they working? How do you know they're working? Well, you know, we're, we're pretty fortunate to have some really good people that work for, for us, but, you know, the numbers don't lie. Our productivity has increased since, um, you know, working from home. I, and I think that's due to people being happy and not having to take time off to um, you know, you'd be there when the appliance guy comes to fix a refrigerator or, or such. It's it's a quality of life thing. But, you know, managing teams like this when they're happy, they have more flexibility, more control. It's pretty easy. The work tends to take care of itself. And and if it gets done and, and the clients are happy, that's that's a huge, you know, clue. So I, I have found it, you know, pretty easy from a management standpoint, you know, and in full disclosure, I've been able to work from home, you know, at least part, part of the time, my entire career. So, and I know that's not everybody's experience. So I kind of had a little bit of experience coming into this, but, you know, you know, concerns for managing, I, I just worry sometimes, are they taking care of themselves? Are they, you know, are they doing self-care? Are they not, you know, when they're when they're shutting off the computers at the end of the day, are they really walking away or working too many hours or, or that sort of thing? But I really don't have any huge concerns. By and large, they are just very happy teams to be doing what they're doing and, and having that quality of life aspect. Yeah, I really find that, you know, the productivity and, quote, are people working is the least of the issues because I, I found that if somebody isn't productive and, and working, it's much easier to isolate that person and identify what's going on. Right. Whereas sometimes in an office building, if you're all in a big team, I don't know if you've ever had a coworker who can kind of float through the office in the day and they're there and they're getting paid. And you come time, sometimes say, what exactly is that person doing all day? Um, so, so I think it's a little bit easier to identify if somebody's having a production or a performance issue. Um, but the biggest thing, as you mentioned, I that I think contributes to the productivity is the lack of distractions. You don't get somebody coming by to talk about how the Eagles did on Sunday. You, you don't get, a, when a meeting's over, sometimes a meeting's over and people don't have the hallway conversation for another 20 or 30 minutes talking about the meeting. Um, you know, for and, and from a practical standpoint, we're here in the Philadelphia area. It's we don't live a country mile from the office. It's a drive. So we have all of that time back in our day. Um, and, and I have I, I, I hate to tell my board of directors this, but I found the management over and oversight easier uh, just for that piece. Um, and, and I think it works out really, really well. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, agree, with I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100 percent on those issues. You know, a, another piece that, that I'd like your that, that's a little bit different from us is hiring and attracting talent. I had many people who were worried 
about attracting talent and getting them onboarded of the company. Now, now there are jobs absolutely where you have to hire somebody and have one-on-one personal somebody sitting next to you to learn their job. What, what's been some of the surprises and, and, and positives about that, that you found about recruiting talent and keeping them versus the traditional office setting? Right, right. Well, from a recruiting standpoint, and Mark, you you had mentioned, you know, we're in the Philadelphia area, where you would think that, you know, that's a very large pool of talent to pull from. Well, there's also competition there. So opening up a a work from home, um, you know, platform, you can hire from anywhere, which is exactly what we've done. So instead of focusing, you know, primarily on hiring in certain sections of the country, you know, we're, we're in the South now, but I, I talk specifically about Philadelphia. When, when we, you know, put a job, uh, you know, posting out there, we get them from everywhere. And, you know, we're, we've got employees in, oh gosh, I don't know how many states would they, we've got them throughout the country now. Um, and it just opens up a larger pool of talent. And we've been really fortunate to hire some really good people and from all over the country. So that is, you know, that's one thing. Recruiting is just the, the it's so much easier, so much easier to fill, um, you know, a specific job that, that you're looking to fill. The one challenge I would say, and it, it's just because we haven't done it this way often, is the onboarding process. And, you know, onboarding someone remotely versus them being in the office to completely onboard them is it's a challenge. It's not something that's, you know, you know, unsurmountable, but that that is a particular um, thing that we've had to work at. And, and the, the past couple hires, I think we've done really good at onboarding them. Um, so that, that would be that would be my answer to to that is would would be onboarding, but the the talent pool that we can pull from now is just invaluable. Yeah, and actually, it will be ten years ago this month where I shifted a few hours from central Pennsylvania with a much smaller, more rural population to Philadelphia. And when I first moved here, I thought, "Wow, this will be great." You know, we, we have many times more people that I can rec- uh, recruit from. This is such a bigger pool. Boy, I couldn't be I couldn't I couldn't have been more wrong and guessed the marketplace more wrong just for what you said is competition. Uh, it, it, it is intense and everybody's shopping for the same people um, and, and it becomes a bidding war. So so I find that the access to the talent levels by opening up a bigger net has really has really helped out versus you know what what's in all practicality you know a 15 mile to 20 mile radius from our office uh and because of traffic you know it's not necessarily 15 20 miles in all all circles uh just because it can be quite brutal uh, attracting people. So yeah, it, it's real. I, I have been so pleased with that. And, and, and not, you know, if you uh, are a woodworker 
or you know obviously you can't uh, work remotely you've got to be in an office or if you're an hvac technician in those technical jobs you got to be hands-on but for really the the business to business service provider the office people it, it's from a competitive standpoint i couldn't be happier with our recruiting so it's i'm really pleased with that what about the service levels it's one thing when we were all kind of sitting around when there was an issue and where we could talk through it who's going to handle this what what do you find in terms of customer service levels and making sure that you're taking care of our people and we're having we're taking our taking care of our people to a high service level versus where we're all sitting around in an office and there's a manager right there right right um i think that we have not missed a beat in terms of servicing our clients um you know, a lot of them have still today have no idea that we're 100% remote. Most of them do. But um, in terms of servicing our client, we haven't missed a beat. In terms of, you know, ensuring that the teams are communicating with one another, collaborating with one another, that I think we might have struggled a bit at first. Right now, I think almost all of our teams, I know the two teams that I manage, they heavily use Teams chat, Teams video chat, you know, video conferencing, that sort of stuff that has really brought them together. Um, So I don't sit back here as a manager and worry about that, you know, are they communicating effectively? Are they communicating the things that need to get done? So in terms of our internal customer service uh we've we've done a really good job with that as well and the teams really seem to be happy with it 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 seems like in the last five years as we've been working on this what one of the big advances and probably the most notable advancement is technology and systems you know, it, it was always emails and spreadsheets to, to try to help manage and organize some of these things where everybody was looking at it, and, and it's so easy to get lost. But now, as you mentioned, we all have teams uh, that's part of our Office 365 where we could hop on a call with a client uh, in, in a moment's notice uh, versus a five years ago, that would have been a very impractical solution and a very expensive solution. Whereas now we're good. Um, and, and it's really become uh, uh, the, the service level in a diversified workforce can actually increase. I've always told people our first, our threat is widespread internet outage. Uh, you know, if we yeah. do have a widespread internet outage for a day or even a half a day, those people are, are kind of out of luck. Um, but really, in those cases, I think everybody's out of luck that day. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not just us. Right, right. And, you know, in, what you I want to just, you know, piggyback on something you were talking about with teams and how we use it internally. We've really we've really stretched that to reaching out to the clients with that. The client will call us with an issue. And while we're on the phone with them, they're like, hey, it, you know, it, it's not uncommon for us to say, hey, let me send you a team's invite while we're on the call share my screen, we get to the bottom of their issue right away. We don't have this back and forth with emails. So that really 
has been an area where we've seen a lot of increased usage from from our internal teams with our clients. One piece that has absolutely surprised me, and it was kind of one of these pieces I really didn't think about much uh, a couple years ago, and that's weather. And, and weather is a two-way street. And many times uh, it, it is when there's a little bit of ice in Philadelphia or many other northern cities, it is gridlock and you don't want to go anywhere. So the choice was send everybody home and we're closed for the day uh, or they're endangering themselves on the road where now we can simply keep business as usual just about every day. Uh, whether we and we always joke we don't have snow days uh, and, and it's and it's a two-way street maybe there's days where our clients are out of commission we can still keep things going and and I like that also from a diversified uh, workforce you know if you have everybody in a certain area if there's if there's an internet outage uh, in Bucks County where we live well, and you have everybody in Bucks County, well, you're out of luck. But on a diversified workforce, we've really kind of developed, I think we've really developed our own disaster uh, recovery program uh, that, that is as diversified and spreading our risk as it gets. So I think it's really helped us out from weather and disasters and keeping, the, keeping things moving. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we, we've definitely seen what you've described in action, where, you know, in our area, we might be having severe thunderstorms that take out electricity and what have you. So we just, you know, if we're working on something, we punt it to somebody that's living in Pittsburgh. Guess what? They're not having that issue. So there's no dr drop in service level there. So again, you know, in the wintertime here, no, no, like you said, there's no snow days. There's no bad weather days. So, and you know, it, that is, you know, from a management standpoint, that's that's great. But also from an employee standpoint, that just really lowers their stress level that they know that they don't have to get on the road when they normally have an hour commute that might be three or four hours to get into the office. So no, that's definitely valid. You know, just, it it just has, has such a, a stress reliever in that regard. Probably the most challenging piece of working from home and managing that work from home company, I think, is the IT side. We have varying levels of IT uh, te technically proficient people, to say the least, here at MBFS. And I think it's that way for every company. And if you're having trouble with what might be a little issue, but you're just not technically proficient at it, that can be frustrating. And the other piece, when we started the whole work from home, uh, I believe we were about 12 people. And now we're close to 55-ish and, and we'll be growing uh, on a steady pace up. So you have to have systems uh, to keep up with that and manage that and grow. Um, you know, give me your airing of the grievances with the IT side and what companies should be looking for to be proactive on it, and 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 how it what's you know the good, bad, and ugly of it. 
Right. Well, we've certainly had our, you know, share of of IT things to consider. And one, as you mentioned, is, you know, maybe it's it's an issue of somebody just not being very proficient with how their computer works and getting their computer up and running. But we've also seen the, the gamut of and do and this is a good problem to have, I guess, is some of the issues that we've seen you know, over the past couple of years have to do with growth and the number of people that are on our servers at any one time. So I would say that, you know, you know, MBFS has varying levels of, of technical expertise or IT expertise in-house that we can help get by, but we also do have a very good you know, uh, a contractor that works with us and has, you know, is done very well with that. So I, I would, you know, you have to manage the growth. We are in that in that position that we've had to address that along the way during some very, you know, busy times at MBFS. Um, at one point, you know, we we currently work in a Citrix environment, and at one point, that was the best thing ever. But as we realized growth and we're growing and more people are on, we've, we've realized that doesn't work for us anymore. And we're taking the steps to move over to a different environment. So I would say to companies, be flexible, be mindful, you know, what, you know, I know a lot more about IT than I ever thought I would and, and it's because I've, I've had to, but um, you know that's that's a huge area that keeps that could stop your company from working. So it's really important to be up on you know communicating with your network administrator. Make sure that you have the you know the the server size, the the room to to work you know how you you need to work. Uh, and then really just have somebody on your team or somebody on your staff or somebody in your corner that can help your people with the varying issues that they do have. And we do have that with our with our contractor. Uh, you know, and, and, and the last item I want to touch on is, is sometimes it's probably the most sensitive. I can't, as I said, I came to uh, MBFS and Accuso 10 years ago. And previous to that, I was at the credit union and my favorite thing that I miss most from the credit union days are lunches with my coworkers, where we would sit around and talk about football and fantasy football and gossip about what's going on in the office. And also we had bocce tournaments in the backyard behind the credit union. And I love that, you know, and that's really what I look back and remember the most. Uh, in a remote environment, we we lose some of those interactions. And, you know, it's sometimes the people who are the, I, I find the people who are against remote work the most are the most extroverted people who that's their sense of community, their friends, their interactions. They manage by talking to people. They're the extroverts in at home. They're extroverts in your in their day to day life, and 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 you do lose some of that bonding team side. Um, now that's not to say like we're, here at MBFS we really encourage people turn off your work when you're done. Go for a walk, interact with people, be part of your community. Um, but but what are your thoughts on, on what I'll call the camaraderie 
relationship building teamwork side, um, how, how we compensate for that and, and, and what, what we, how we encourage and manage that piece. Right. Well, you know, I, I definitely, you know, concur with what you've said. We are, you know, human beings are social animals. Um, and, and you do lose something, you know, with, with, remote work and we've tried very hard as management we tried several things you know maybe doing virtual happy hours um utilizing a teams type thing which which we currently do for work but you know expanding that out a little bit to you know keep you know maybe non-work communication camaraderie going and what we find is our 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 People have told us, you know, we're, we're okay. I'd be really uncomfortable with a virtual happy hour. Um, we're, we're really good. That is, so we kind of like step back from trying to push that kind of stuff on the employees because the last thing you want to do is push something on to them that they don't want to do. Ellen, there's nothing worse for an employee to be told to go have fun. Right. Uh, you're going to have fun and you're going to interact. And it's just awkward and uncomfortable for everybody. Right. So... You know, we took a look at that and it's like, okay, we can't, it's just, that's just not a box we have to check in that way. So we do encourage our teams to get together for, you know, lunches. And as a manager, I, you know, try to schedule a lunch in the spring and the fall with to get the teams together. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be in the Philadelphia area and a lot of my team members are here. So we, we try to schedule something like that. And you do bring us in once a year and we do have the monthly meetings. So I think as a management team, we, we do the best we can to keep that, you know, keep that line of communication open with our employees get that that you know not face to face time but at least get everybody together to talk about issues but i find really that you know for the most part they're okay they're okay and and like you said anything else that we're trying to do feels like we're pushing it on them and they just push back they're like please don't <laughs> yeah and, and 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 there are some positions you know, we don't have computer programmers on staff, but generally the computer programmers tend to be a little bit more introverted people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that's not as important, whereas the sales team that we just had in, they loved it. You know, they, they were together for two days and they could be together for a week and just keeps going. But that's what makes them good salespeople is the want for that interaction and to be out of the office. And I think it's just important when you're leading remote employees that I also don't like to have a two-tiered company. I don't want to have, you know, oh, here's our party uh, at the, at the, the local Chickie and Pete's to uh, get everybody to get together, but half the company can't participate. You know, I, I really think it's important for us to make sure they have the opportunities professionally uh, maybe it's a local credit union chapter meeting you allow them to go to, or it's interacting with the local staff. And so that they do get that personal interaction that fills up their bucket enough for what they need. Um, and, and I find generally people are happy with that. You know, if somebody like my mother, uh, she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can say this. My mother worked at the local bank 
you know, for many years and retired from there. That was her friendship network. That was all of her, you know, every time somebody got married, their kids got married, that she was part of that. That she went to lunch with her friends. These were her friends and interactions and the mixture of her social life. She could not work at home. But in today's world, we want to help people fill up their bucket with enough and give them the opportunities, but also to live their life. So... What do you exactly. think? Exactly. And, and exactly right. I mean, they, you know, they're just they've they've grown up and, and worked in a in a very flexible environment and they love the flexibility, the quality of life that work from home provides. And they don't want to, you know, get get corralled or pushed into, you know, making them have fun type of thing they're they're just fine you know with with what we're doing so and i think we have you know the personalities on the team that if what we were doing wasn't working then we would hear about it so i think you know early on i was just like okay we got to make sure we get them together make sure they're communicating and this that and the other thing and then i just realized as as i saw you know was communicating with them one-on-one or or you know the team meetings and 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 watching the pipelines and the productivity they're happy <laughs> so it's like okay then i can't you can't force it on them so yeah i they're happy well uh, you know as we wrap up here i i find that executives have very strong feelings one way or another with regards to a virtual company and work from home. But I really think it's it's a little bit of just looking at it from the employee standpoint and making sure you first of all, the company has to have the production. That's a given. Mm-hmm. But past that, if you're retaining people and they're happy and you're managing your costs, what do you really care? Uh, you know, we, we have we have some people that I'm glad they are happy in their productivity. And if we see them once a year and that fills up their bucket of being happy, it's a win win for everybody. You know, what do you look at it and think, you know, when, when somebody comes to you, what, what, you know, and they're, they're either for or against, you know, what, what do you usually tell people? For or against the work from home? Yeah. If somebody, you know, comes and talks to you, looking at it as their company, you know, how, how do you think they should handle it overall and making those decisions? Right. Well, I mean, I think it is a topic that, a high percentage of companies have had to address since the pandemic. Um, and, you know, when when people talk to me about working, you know, managing work from home teams, I tell them that, you know, it, it's the, the reasons that we did it, you know, the quality of life, the flexibility, happy employees, the recruiting, all the things that we've discussed on the podcast today. And you don't sugarcoat it. There are some things that have been issues that we've had to address in the past. But to somebody that I, I've had very few that were completely against it. All of the although I've been in conversations where you kind of get the eye rolls. Well, those are people that kind of have their mind made up 
and and they're not really hearing. Um, so I, I just champion the idea that, hey, if you're thinking about doing it, start slow, start with some of them. Um, but trust me, when it starts to work for some, the other teams are going to be knocking on the door going, okay, what about us? And uh, I think that kind of happened to us at the beginning of the pandemic. And that just kind of pushed everybody out the door and they just showed up and and did what what needed to be done at a very high level and continue to do it today. So I am very happy with her decision to do this. And I tell anybody that I can that wants to have the conversation about why they should do it. Well, thank you, Ellen, for joining us today. And if there's one thing that I know for certain that for any of the companies out there, credit unions, service providers, any any just uh, listeners, fans of the show, if you're not in the credit union space, uh, if you're anti work from home and just shut it down, it's really good for me when art when your people are looking for a job because they're, they're we find more people than not are looking for that flexibility. So thank you for everybody for listening today. Thank you to Ellen for letting me uh, bug her for for an hour to take out of her day as I know she's really busy. So and and for any the credit unions or different companies, if you have questions about policies, procedures, how we do things, systems set up, we'd be more than happy to share uh, whatever we can with you. So once again, I'm Mark Ritter, uh, your host of Credit Union Conversations. You can connect with me at markritter.com. And however you're listening to this, please hit the subscribe button so it comes up every two weeks as we release the episodes. So thank you, and I will talk to you very soon and hopefully see you in person very soon. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to the Credit Union Conversations podcast. Have a question? Visit markritter.com for more information.